I'm a little sad today because we're finishing John. If you've noticed the past few weeks, we've gotten slower and slower as we take fewer and fewer verses. Because I love John. So if you haven't want to follow along, we're doing the very end of John today, verses 18 to 25 of chapter 21. And, and I want to start this way with a story because I don't know if you've heard the song, or we've sung it here, I have decided to follow Jesus. What a great song, huh? No turning back. No turning. You know the story that kind of goes with that is this missionary family in the turn of the century in India. They're out there in, in India and the tribes and, 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 and says, I've decided to follow Jesus. And the chief of this tribe took this missionary's family captive and actually had three archers that were aimed with arrows at the missionary's family. No turning back. No turning back. They shot the family. Killed him. Beat the guy up. And out of it came this amazing song. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Is that a cool story? I wish it were true. Yes, the internet story, right? It's a story about it, and you look at it, is it really true? No, it's not really true. It was a whole different thing. But it sounds awesome, because why? Because that's what I think it means to follow Jesus. I think that when it says follow Jesus, it's saying, man, those are the guys. There's special following of Jesus that you do. And it's so incredible. And this is what it means to follow Jesus. By the way, that would be amazing following of Jesus. I'm not saying that it's not. I'm just saying it's not true. At least not that I could tell. It's a story that floats around the Internet. You can Google it at home. No documentation whatsoever. Maybe you feel that you don't follow him much. Or maybe, even more common, you don't feel like most of these American Christians gather around here follow him much at all. Most Christians just sit on their high knees. Follow Jesus? What is that? They would just get a kick in the bottom. I think that's what we need. So this morning, I want to talk about following Jesus. I want you to raise that bar really high to follow Jesus, not just to follow, to follow him for the glory of God. And when I say that, I don't want you to cringe. I want you to say amen, because it's amazing, and it's cool, and you are. And it comes out of this passage. You might think rightly about that following Jesus piece about what we're doing and, and to, to what does it mean. And for that, we're going to return. What does it mean to John this morning? We're at the end. It's been wonderful to see the signs of Jesus, to be convinced that he is the Christ, the Son of God, as we ended chapter 20 with, to see the restoration of Peter. Fantastic. But I'll tell you what, this is super, super important because so often what we say is, I trust him. I, I have that prayer where I, I repented of my sin and I, I turned to Jesus as my Savior and I believe that he's the Son of God and he saved me. But what about now? Well, the answer is follow him. Be his disciple. Be like him. Your question ought to be, exactly in what way? No, not that way. Exactly in, in, in what way? Because, you know, I, I think the Bible wants precision. It's, 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 the Bible shows us follow Jesus. Does it mean do miracles like him? Does it mean get rejected by society like he was? 
Does it mean pray tears of blood? Does it mean be a doer of the law? Does it mean don't own a home? Because he didn't. Does it mean have a beard? He probably had one. I'm being a little silly. I know it's okay. But I want to know. So I want to tell you without apology that Jesus calls you to follow him for God's glory. And I want you to have confidence that you know exactly what it is. And then you can decide if you trust this word that is in this Bible that is coming to you. That declares to you the truth of how your life will go. So the last words of John, they're with Peter, right? And, and, and Peter, who's been amazingly, wonderfully restored and not made sin free, but he's been forgiven. And Jesus, who's paid for every sin ever, has comes and gets him and says, trust me, I have you. And you remember that? Remember we did this last week. Do you self-sacrificially love me more than all these? And he can't answer. He's got to say, well, I, I love you like a brother, Jesus. And Jesus steps it down to where, yeah, that, that's what we're after, right? Trusting me. And there's one more piece to it, and it's about following. So following Jesus in the glory of God. Let's start there, and we'll, we'll pick it up in verse, in verse uh, 18. This is Jesus, and he's speaking to Peter. And he says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you. And carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. It's going to be three times follow me in this passage. He says, okay, follow me, right? And what I normally do, I hear Jesus saying, did you hear that? It's like, yeah, yeah, he's going to die, but, but follow Jesus. I think in all the ways. We're off to the races to think about what that means. I start thinking, wow, you know, Peter, Peter's going to be so sold out to Jesus, all the things he's going to do. He's going to be really after doing cool things for Jesus and getting out there and, and, and doing, doing stuff. And, and that's what it's about. And, 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 and I forget there's a trail here. Let's go back just for a minute and you go back to how this is being set up in John even. Because way back in John 13, right? Remember Simon Peter said to Jesus, where are you going? And Jesus says, where I'm going, you can't follow me now. But you'll follow me afterwards. I think, well, is that about heaven or is that about what is he talking about? And, and then he kept talking, right? Because Peter said to him, well, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you. Remember Peter? Peter was the guy. He, he said, hey, Peter said, oh, man, Jesus, I'll lay down my life for you. And this is when Jesus said, uh, yeah, you're going to betray me. And instead, that great sentiment of laying down his life for Jesus, he actually instead betrayed Jesus and denied he even knew him, which sets up this whole scene about Jesus coming back and finally saying, okay. That, that, that's why we're talking now is because I believe it is afterward. After what? After your eyes get opened to your inability and my death and resurrection for you. That's where you are with me, right? You know Jesus died and rose from the dead for you. And you know that your part was to not do anything. And now Peter's got his eyes open and, and Jesus is restoring him. And, and now he's saying, follow me. And, and, and boy, 
is Peter going to have the same thing? He said, well, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to lay my life down for you. No. No, there's a different context, right? Did you miss the context? It's so strange, we just leap right over it. He says, you know, when you were younger, Peter, you just did whatever you wanted. But now, as you get old, you're going to have someone else dress you, and they're going to take you where you don't want to go. And then he said, follow me. Do do you get that? Do you get how strange that is? You can't go where you want to go, but follow me. How's how does that work? If I, if I say to my kid, if I say to my kid, hey, hey, kid, hey, kid, I'm going to lock you up so you can't follow me because you will have no ability to move. And then I come over here and say, hey, kid, follow me. Doesn't that seem weird to you? You're going to want to go somewhere, but you can't. It's different, right? The whole idea he's telling him is how he's going to glorify God. And what is how he's going to glorify God? In his death. Death he doesn't even choose. That glorifies God, right? In this passage. Hey, man, I want to tell you how you're going to glorify God. In, in Peter, what he's going to glorify God is you're going to be taken where you don't want to go and die. Follow me. That's so different than what I think. I think it's about me choosing to go somewhere cool and doing something that will glorify God so God is happier with me and everyone around me and I do these great deeds of... No, no, wait. Somebody's actually in charge. Maybe it's not you. People want to make glorifying God about all the things they're going to now do for God. Get saved so God frees you to act. And now you just need to be motivated. But instead, and this is critical, this is critical, this framing of the Word who became flesh. And this is our Bible, and it ends right here in John. It is critical, critical, final few sentences. Jesus is saying, Peter, you won't go where you want. You won't do what you want. And your death will glorify God. I hope you see the wonder of that. I want to introduce a term to to help you. I made it up, so it's just my term. But I want to call it operational humility. Operational humility. I know humility is a character trait. I work on my humility to be, you know, not prideful and all those things. But operational humility means you live in a moment-by-moment way knowing you really aren't in charge. Somebody else is. You have less power than you want to think you have. Because, because, because of this. This idea that, you know what, I... I, I think I think that what marks a Christian sometimes in my thinking is is about okay now Jesus is kind of far off watching and you know I died for you and I, I paid for you I, you're, born, you're born again you got the Holy Spirit let's see how you do and some people go and be missionaries which is fantastic by the way and some people don't is that less fantastic? Some people live a life of raising their kids. Some people help babies who are crying. Really good. 
I start to judge. I start to say, well, hey, we're going to see what you do, and, and we're going to watch that, and that's the piece. And no, no, wait, 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 wait. You're missing the operation of humility. You have very little ability to even understand how it is God's using you. I had a great story just walking to church today of one of our people in our church who was, who was in his wheelchair out there got caught in the grass this week. And they were waiting for, for somebody to come help them. And a couple of our church people just drove up on their bicycles. Oh, hey, how are you? And they, oh, I was waiting for someone to help me. My wheelchair, get out of the, stuck in the grass. And they helped him out of the grass. And on their merry way, they went, is that cool? That is so cool. How many thousands of ways and how many different ways the Lord is using people. And you don't even know it. That's called operational humility. You just don't know. My problem is I think I want to know. I think I can know. I think I'm going to find it. And you know what? That person over there is living for Jesus. Can you see all the cool things they're doing? That person, oh man, they're not living for Jesus. I even wonder if they're saved. I'm looking at Lorraine, who like comes early every single morning and makes coffee. Lorraine, you're okay. <laughs> but that's wrong, right? My thinking about that is wrong. How do I even know? I think, hey, if you trust Jesus, it's to trust that he's actually in charge. That's called following him. This is our text this morning. He already knows your life. This is so against, this is so against our flesh. This is what Jesus was like, right? This is how we're following Jesus. We're trusting. Like Jesus trusted the Father, we're trusting Jesus. He will have everything lined up. And what appears to be our powerlessness and our little lives and our smallness will actually be a glory to God. It's so against the pride of my life. Like, God saved me, so I get to be out there and do great things for him. And that, that desire is wonderful. The problem is in our understanding of what Christianity is. It's not a business program, a building you're in charge of constructing, a plan you're in charge of, operational humility. There's somebody you're trusting that's actually doing the things that need to get done. And that does involve you. This is our text this morning. Peter, here's the glory of God in you. Your death. Dude, if God said that to you, what would you say? He's going to resurrect you from the dead. I think that's amazing. I would love to know the exact way that God's going to glorify me. I, I think it's amazing. So anyway, our inability to even get dressed... And here's Jesus, and he has him. And I want to keep going, because that's not the end. It's the will of God. Because this plays into what does God want me to do, and what does God want you to do, and, 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 and I'm going to tell you what he wants you to do, I think. Peter turned, and he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, verse 20, following them. The one who also leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, is it you that is going to be, who's going to betray you? <laughs> it's a big, long verse for John to self-identify without saying his name. <laughs> right? He's the disciple Jesus loved. He's the one who was there lying on Jesus' breast in the, in the last supper. He's, he, and he's, he's, he, that's his self-identity. He's not the one who really loved Jesus and didn't really betray him like Peter did. And Peter turns, and I'd be a little bummed, honestly. It's like, it's like I'm having a conversation with someone. Someone else is listening in. So John turns, Peter turns and sees John following them. 
said, what about him? How are you going to use him? When Peter said, saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? And so Jesus said to him, you got to understand, as Jesus said, this is Peter, and he's been told he's going to be powerless. He's going to not even be able to address himself. He's going to be taken where he doesn't want to go. And that's glorifying God. Is that a punishment? Is that like, you know, does John get something better? So Jesus says, if it's my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. And so this saying spread abroad among all the brothers that this disciple is not to die yet. Jesus didn't say he wasn't to die. He said, it's my will. If it's my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Do, do, do you see? John is at pains to make sure that you, reader, don't think that Jesus promised that John would remain until Jesus returns because John is going to die. And he's writing this book, even we think a little later in his life. This is the last gospel written, we think. And John would die. But the point is really important and glossed over. Which is what? Jesus, who loves Peter, says to Peter, his brother who he saved, and who is, he's his savior, but he's his friend. He says, don't worry about John. Right? If he stays alive the whole time, what's that to you? Well, I, 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 I want his. The stuff that you're doing with me, it's fine, but I want to, I, I, that's kind of the thought, right? Your job, Jesus says to Peter, is to follow me. That's, again, operational humility. Trust me, I've got you. I mean, I love the idea that Jesus is about community, and we have a new community around the cross, and we encourage each other in community, and community is really important, but this is very individual, it's about how you think about Jesus. And how you think about Jesus is, I'm trusting he's got me. Follow me. Right? That, that's what marks us. This is so huge. I can't even really get it because I'm constantly evaluating and judging. You know, hey, if you really do what's right and... And follow Jesus, well, then you'll have a longer, more productive life. So some people get rewarded for more judicious living or for more holy action or for more faithfulness. And that's the thinking that slips into us. And it's totally against how John ends, right? I've got a plan, says Jesus, for your living and for your dying. He's even told us what the plan is. Every single person in here, because we sin, we're going to die. And Jesus promises us that we will rise from the dead and be with him forever. And wow, that makes my heart sing. <laughs> Does it make yours? I want to be with him forever. And so these things that happen now, I'm like, wow, I want Jesus. I want to serve you. I want to do things for you. But, and, and that's so good. And it should birth gratitude and deep love of Jesus in your heart because he loved us first. It's so amazing. And I find it there. And I think, okay, I got to have an outlet. And I start doing things I think. Show that, and then my flesh gets in it, and I start judging everyone else about how they're doing. You know, I, I'm, 
I'm out there doing stuff for Jesus, and that guy's playing video games. These kids today, you know how much time they waste? If only they were more profitable with their time. What do I mean by profitable? Doing the things I want them to do. Of course. And that works in the world. That's uh, Hey, again, amen. There's, there's ways in which laziness isn't profitable. Read Proverbs. It's there. But it's not talking about this. It's not talking about Christianity. It's not talking about you and your relationship with Jesus, which is entirely and 100% operational humility. He's got you. That's so important because it frees you up to say, you know what? The will of God for me cannot be broken. These desires that I have, yeah, I pray because I have desires for sin and I fight and struggle against sin and I come back again to Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation in Christ. I wish I was different. Jesus promises it's coming and he's using me all the way. That, that's what's happening. This is, this is it. I cannot think of, of, of trying to judge people on what gives God more glory. It means you decide what good works are and what life will be like. It means you think your life as a Christian is constantly evaluated and checked to see how much God is blessing it or how useful you are being with Christ. And it runs afoul of following Jesus because that's operational humility. That's Jesus didn't say, oh, John will live a long life because he's trusted me well. He doesn't even say John will serve me in a life like you, Peter. No, he just says, what is it to you, Peter? I've got John. And I'm using him like I want to. By the way, not a word about any of their works. Just about Peter's death. Because it's the glory of God that I resurrect you. And so watch out. It's important not just for us, but for how we view others in Christ to discourage others with heavy loads. You know, you believe, I know, but you need to be more or God won't do stuff for you. Man, it is the will of God to save and love sinners of which I am chief. And I can't believe that I get to say, Jesus adores you. Will you receive it? He adores you as you are, and he promises he will not just save you in some esoteric, long-in-heaven sense, but he will keep you and he will produce in you the things he desires to do. That is my conviction, because that is also how this ends. The truth of God. Following Jesus and the truth of God. Here it is, verse 24. This is the disciple who's bearing witness about these things, who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Wow. That's the end of the book. So start with further proof. This is John's self-identification. The disciple Jesus loved. The disciple who'd been reclining at table close to him. Not the disciple who'd followed Jesus really well or who's loved Jesus really well or who's been faithful to Jesus. It's always this, right? This is the, this is the, the line. This is Jesus loves me. And we're kept. And so John's saying, well, you hear it as the truth. And the testimony is all about Jesus. You know, I can't even tell you all the things he's done. 
He doesn't say, you know what, and the many things Peter did and John did, we will write them down for you too. Say, well, Acts. Yeah, I just wish Acts would be renamed Acts of the Risen Lord Jesus because it's about what Jesus is doing and what he'll do in you. Right? So many books could have written. Not not of the things that Jesus' followers did. Not of what John did or Peter did. What Jesus did. He did lots more. So much more. The world can't even contain the books. He's as your Savior. And He's God. And He's got lots of things that He's done. And with this, we're done. And you're done. Will you receive His love, His finished work, His life for you? If you look, you will live Follow Jesus. It is often one of the most confusing charges given to Christians. Because we think following him is doing the things he did, becoming him. Or we think that it is a means of, of doing more acts of self-sacrifice and great deeds for him. And I hope you see the context this morning of Jesus' statement. His charge to follow, nothing could be further from the truth. Jesus also skips over the life of Peter and follows right into his death, into rejection and losing and inability. Peter, you won't be able to dress yourself, and even that is just about how you will die, and this will be a glory to God. (laughs) Thanks, God? I guess. I guess I can't judge how my life is going. I guess I can't connect my obedience to my temporal blessing. I guess I can't say that one person is glorifying Jesus and another isn't by looking at how much they have or or, or what they're doing. Let's all do fantastic things for Jesus. There's nothing bad about it. But there's not a ranking, right? Because if Jesus is actually directing and doing, then Jesus is directing and doing, not you. Operational humility. It means Jesus will glorify himself in your life as he sees fit, and more importantly, in your death, because he'll resurrect you. You just don't know enough about how to evaluate, but I know one thing that I would get into your heart this morning, and I would end with this. Trust Jesus. He's not dead. It means you can let go of the anxiety and the restlessness And the lack of peace that you have around what you think your life will be. He's creating what he wants. We are like inveterate Karens, and I'm sorry, Karen. We're constantly deciding what glorifies Jesus and what doesn't, and then we're judging people and telling people what to do. We're running their lives. We're upset at this and that. We're telling people who've been bought with the blood of Jesus that Jesus really might not love them if they're not doing the right things. If they aren't towing some line, and it's, it's a line we've made up. Oh, we repent. Because the truth is that Jesus has come, and he trusted to the end that in every situation his father had him. And he tells us the same, follow me. Trust me to the end. Look and live. And then we look. Don't stop looking and start looking at your other people and evaluating them. The Heidelberg Disputation. I'll be finished. The Heidelberg Disputation 20. I put it on your outline. 
This is Martin Luther, Thesis 28, his final theological resolution. And he says, the love of God does not first discover, but creates what is pleasing to it. The love of man comes into being through attraction to what pleases it. That is a profound statement for you and I to take into our hearts this morning. Because the love of God has come and his name is Jesus and he creates what what he wants. He will take your life and make what he wants. You say, but I'm hindering him. You think you can hinder God? Who do you think you are? It's so amazing that he loves us. And he does it. He creates. He will give desires. He will make you into what he loves. You will think that you have to get to the loved thing. You're wrong. Operational humility. Come and follow Jesus. Precious people, we have such great news. We have such amazing peace, such incredible joy, because Jesus has saved us forever. And he hasn't just saved us. He says he will have us and use us and bear fruit through us in all sorts of ways we don't even know as we live our lives. And especially as we die. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, you are amazing. And Father, we who see the depth and the wonder, even a glimpse of it, Lord, we don't deserve even to have breath around you. Thank you, Jesus, that you don't just save us, but you use us. Not by better deeds that we do, but Jesus, that your spirit has us. And Lord, I praise God that your word goes out in every corner and in every dark place and in every place all over the world. And thank you that you use us to do it. And Lord, I pray that this message might be the message we have, that you have us. It is finished. And for our own hearts this morning, I pray for this body that we might rest and be at peace and trust that we who are connected to you are being made into what you want us to be. It's in your name we pray. Amen.